welcome to the podcast of Imago Day Community Eastside Gathering. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures, seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Lord, we lift you up this morning. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the rhythm and movement of your spirit this morning. I pray you would do in this room what what none of us have the capability of doing. Would you touch and sweep across this room, mend the brokenhearted, empower those whose hands are weak and knees are feeble, whose life need a reset. For those that are faint of heart, God, we thank you that you're near to the broken. And today, God, would you move in a way that none of us have the power to. May we slip away unnoticed. May your spirit show up in this way and work. May people come to know you. May those who know you be woken up out of their slumber. May the good news of the gospel ring true in our soul. May it incite our mind. May it touch us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. We pray for your grace. Lord, as I even preach today, it's a privilege and honor to do so. May it be clear. May it be succinct. And may it be impactful. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Good morning, Imago Day Eastside. Uh, what we're going to do this morning is, well, actually, kind of the start of this morning is something we as a staff and leadership team, and we brought in, you know, people have been instrumental at the very foundations of this campus getting off the ground. Uh, I think what we want to, we want to switch and change and shift things around and not get too sedentary as a body. We want to treat our Sunday morning experience, you know, we call ourselves the Mago Day community, and it's about community creating pathways for us to connect with each other. And that's crucial to the experience. And so I think what we want to, the way we want to think about Sunday morning is we want to see it as a laboratory. Right, where we can experiment, put serums together, and see what makes sense with the goal of us connecting to each other, not only on a Sunday morning, but also this would catapult us into our home communities and doing life together as a church, and not just be Sunday morning shower uppers. You hear me this morning? Three of you, okay, perfect. <laughs> but today we're gonna hit the creeds. And I thought, I, I didn't have this planned in my notes uh, to do it at the beginning, but I'm going to do it at the beginning and hopefully follow up at the end. But I'm going to talk about the creeds this morning. And I thought, if I'm going to talk about the creeds, in order for you to get a context before I jump into them, I thought we could read the creeds together, recite the creeds together. Is that okay? So we're going to look at the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. We'll start with the Apostles' Creed. All right, we'll start with the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna say this together, all right? And I'll give you some history and context 
in, in the sermon, all right? So let's, let's say it together. Everybody stand up. Stand up! As the body of Christ, us together, we will recite this. One voice, one faith, one hope, one Jesus, one God. All right, Apostles' Creed, here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the ever everlasting. Amen. All right, now let's together read the Nicene Creed. Here we go. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one being with the Father, through him all things were made for us, for our salvation. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in the way to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and Son with the Father and the Son. He is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We, we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection, the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Just a little bit of some good testimonial news. A lot of you have been in my journey with Hala. Hala is a culturally responsive mentoring organization that I had the opportunity to found and now the executive director of. And I've been with a group of girls who play at Benson where I coach since the seventh grade. And one of them, I won't give you her name because she's going to announce it on Wednesday, got a full ride athletic basketball scholarship yesterday to Loyola Marymount University. And that excites me. And somebody asked me, how did that make you feel knowing that she got this scholarship? And I said, you know, the funny thing is I was so relieved because I felt 
like I was in it with her so much that I felt like I literally got the, the scholarship. That's how deep I was into her and the rest of these kids' story. When we think about the creeds, the creeds are a story. And it invites us to be in it together. The creeds is the gospel trim. Right? It, it, it's not about, you know, like we live in what I call differentiated space in the world where if you want to be successful in business, you got to create your niche, right? Supply and demand. Know what the demand is and be able to supply it. The beauty of the creeds are is that it goes polar opposite. It's counterintuitive to differentiated space because it's not about our little pet peeve niches. It's not about how I'm different from my brother in Christ, my sister in Christ. It's not about how I'm different from the Presbyterians or the Baptists or the Catholic or the or the uh, or, or a seminary or anything like that. It's not about any of our distinctiveness. The beauty of the creeds are is that it's about our unitedness, and that's the special piece about. The creeds, that, that it is literally gospel trims, it shrinks it down and says, at minimum, this is something historically, theologically, in terms of church, seminary, in terms of brothers and sisters in Christ, whether you're Baptist or Pentecostal, whether you come from a black church experience or a Latino church experience or a white church experience, at least we can distill it all down to believing this one thing. And so it, its design and purpose is not to unite you around your distinctiveness that make you different than the church down the street. This is different. The creeds are designed to say, we are one church, even with my brother and that church down the street. And this is why Imago is adopting decrees to say with one voice, with one baptism, with one faith, one Jesus, one Lord, one master, we believe. We, we, y'all, us. I like what Mike Dean said one time at Central Campus. He said, Jesus didn't die for you. He died for y'all. And that's what the creeds are. It's about unity. And you know we need unity because in our political climate today, we are deeply divided. Are we not? I even look just on, like, I don't interact too much on my Facebook page, but I have three different experiences in my life. I'm 52 years old. I know that's hard to believe. But the 50, the new 50 is the new 20, right? <laughs> Come on now. Amen, 50-year-olds? Come on. Yes. Uh-huh. But I have three experiences on my, in terms of relationships. I got my Inglewood, right? One to 18-year-old, born to 18-year-old. You know, black dude grew up. I would dare say most of my friends growing up in Inglewood voted for Barack Obama. I got saved. Not from that, but I, <laughs> but I go to college and I get saved, and I get saved in a white evangelical church. 
They didn't tell you how to vote, but they strongly suggested it. <laughs> Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And they were extremely conservative. And I would dare say that from 18 to about 35 years old, I was in white evangelical churches. And I would say most of them probably voted for Donald Trump. And then I leave that experience and I'm at Imago Day. And when you talk to anyone at Imago Day, we're all over the place as the body of Christ should be. And yet when I post something on my Facebook wall, man, it's interesting to see those three experiences go at each other. Because we're polarized. And the beauty of the creeds are is that the creeds are created to not say, oh, we're different than them because the spirit sweeps into our services on a Sunday morning in a way it doesn't at the Baptist church. That's not the point of the creeds. The creeds is like, it's just distilled down and says, do you at least believe this? If we can unite just on this and this alone, we can walk together. Damn the distinctiveness of our own denomination, of our theological leanings, of our seminary training, of our Bible college difference, right? Who cares if you went to Multnomah or Warner Pacific? This is not the creed. This is not what it's worrying about. In Ephesians chapter 4, turn with me real quick on the slide. Ephesians chapter 4, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. That's what the creed is arguing for. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one baptism, one God, and Father of all. That's the creed. It's not here to have a big old symposium on what you think about superlapsarianism. It's not here to talk about eschatology. It's here to say, do you love Jesus? Check. Do you believe he died, buried, and resurrected? Check. Do you believe in this Trinitarian reality? God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Check. You're good. That's it. The reason why we at Imago want to adopt the creeds is for three reasons. Number one, to just simply remove the fuzziness. Now, I know there's a lot of Christians that want to keep stuff fuzzy. And the creeds, whether you look at the Apostle Creed or the Nicene Creed, the Apostles Creed say, we believe. The Nicene Creed says, I believe. Basically, what it says is, we believe something. Right? Like, forget all the fuzziness here for a second. Right? Like, we believe something. We've got a conviction about something. And in an era where people don't want to be labeled a Christian or sound too dogmatic, we've gotten so non-dogmatic that now it's become a dogmatic that is fuzzy. 
And the creed says, we believe in something. I believe in something. Something encountered my heart and my mind from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I can't deny whether that's cerebral or experiential reality that happened in my life. I believe something. So it gets rid of the fuzziness. It also brings clarity. What do we mean when we say we believe in Jesus? Right? It brings clarity to that. Are we saying he's a good person, a nice person? Are we saying he's simply a prophet? Are we saying he's a good teacher? Are we saying he's just merely begotten of God? No, we say what the creed says, which is derived from the scriptures. And so it brings clarity to what we believe. The last thing it does is that it brings unity. What does it mean to be united in one faith, one baptism, and one Lord? It's to unite the people of Jesus together in one faith. That's it. You hear me? That We are to live in, in, in this four stanzas. And those four stanzas is we believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Apostolic Catholic Church. Catholic not meaning Catholicism, but Catholic meaning universal. That's what we mean. And so anytime we live inside the safeguards of that, we know we're preaching, living, and believing in the right pathway. So, question, why are we adopting the creeds? Well, the reason we're adopting the creeds is, is to create, we believe, greater unity around the family of God. So that we can embrace each other in spite of our differences, no matter how widely different they are. Some of you in this room are social justice warriors. Some of you are like Bible literates. Some of you come from raving fundamental evangelical theology. Some of you come from a very strong James Cone liberation theology. And you get into a home community, that can be a lot of arguing that happens. Some of us are deeply, deeply concerned about what's happening racially and culturally in our society. We're talking about building a multiracial, multicultural church in ag aggregately the most diverse area of the city, East Portland. We gotta unite somehow. We might not agree on all things race. We not, might agree on all things politics. We might not agree on all things strategy and how we live out the mission. But there's one thing we can believe in is Jesus. And so one of the beauties of the creed is, is that if you go too far with it, Right? All of a sudden you get into this mystic secret knowledge. I'm this Gnostic that knows stuff that the Bible ain't even revealing. And if you make it less than what it is, you have truncated the gospel down to something that it ain't anymore. And so when we look at the creeds, the creeds are an extension of the gospel to serve as a hedge of protection. To not allow us to say more than what it's saying. 
so that we don't get all goofy saying, oh, you don't believe in end time doctrine? Or less than what it's saying, right? I don't believe in the Trinity anymore. <laughs> I don't believe in the resurrection anymore. The beauty is it's to serve as a hedge of protection for all of us to not move outside of this mystery, which is the gospel, by reducing it down to something it's not. Are you with me this morning? So how was it used? How was the creed used? Well, there's six ways the creed were used, and I'm not going to, I'm just going to hit them real simple, and then we're going to do something different this morning. First, it was just to instruct believers. It was a way of summarizing what the Bible taught about God and salvation. When believers were preparing for baptism, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed were used to teach the tenets of the gospel. It's called the Apostles' Creed because it is believed that each statement was connected to something that each apostle has said and confessed in the gospel. The Apostles' Creed isn't something the apostles got together, sat down, and said, let's use this. No, it was a collection over the first couple of centuries of some people believe it was bishops or just church leaders that took statements from the apostles, from the scriptures, and said, at minimum, we believe this. At minimum, this is what we're about. This is the stuff we are not going to argue over. Everything else is up for interpretation. Everything else is up for debate, but not this. Two, it was the proof of one's faith. The confession of the creed with the conviction, I believe or we believe, is a confession of personal acceptance and belief in the revelation of God. That's all it was. Right? The proof that I believe with my mouth unites us powerfully and dynamically into this one faith, one baptism, one Jesus, one gospel reality. Three was the summary of the New Testament doctrine needed to be believed for salvation. Hear me this morning. The creeds do not replace our belief in the scriptures. They describe what the scriptures teach collectively. It does not replace our belief in the scriptures. It takes the scriptures and says, this is what we believe collectively. Are you hearing me this morning? I might be boring you this morning, but... We'll get there. Some of you, it's all right. Okay. Four, worship. The creeds are served as an aspect of worship, reciting them in a community and affirming who God is and what God has done for us, knowing that we will stand with Jesus' followers from all time in history and all parts of the globe, from all the different tribes that confess the same gospel. Do you understand? We are worshiping. That's, that's Hebrews chapter 11. We got a cloud of witnesses around. We are joining with the historic church to worship as one body. Four, five, unity. As opposed to doctrinal statements that clarify aspects of theology and also focus on minor theological difference that make Baptists distinct from Presbyterians, the creeds are focused on what the entire church from all denomination, worship styles, ethnicity, confess as a common faith. The creeds serve to fulfill the quote, every tribe and tongue of the revelation, worshiping the father and the son. It's about uniting us, not dividing us. 
It's about our unitedness, not our distinctiveness. The last wing, the creeds, are, is about the experiential component of it all. When we say we believe in, that's the, that's the, that's the Apostles' Creed, and that's the, um, the Nicene Creed, which is I believe in. We believe in. In other words, we, collectively, we, yes, the body, the church, universally, historically, Together, we believe. It means that our belief is active. It's alive in real time. It's not some dead, cold, foreign faith that doesn't invoke some kind of emotion in our heart and mind. Believe is something we do now. It's alive in us. In him, we have our being. And then the end of this we believe in is we're invited into something, that this is a degree of intimacy, that we are brought into this story. We're brought into this reality. So when we say we believe in, we collectively believe in real time in something that we've been brought into as a family. So with that, here's my question, because I'm going to wrap it up this morning. Here's my challenge for us. Everybody, real quick, look around the room. Just look around the room. I know that's awkward. Look around the room. Now, I want you to, here's the challenge this morning. Think about people in this congregation. What is it that's separating you from them? What is it that's separating you from them? Creeds were, were designed to bring our unitedness together. What has become more important to you than what God has brought together? What authority beyond the scriptures have you submitted your heart to that is greater than what God has joined together? What keeps you from doing life with each other? From doing home community with each other? What keeps you from engaging? What keeps you from sitting at each other's table? The point of the creeds is, is to say, you know what? In Christendom, we can go a lot of different ways with this theology, but we need to at least summarize it down to the very heart and substance and source of the gospel. But you know what? So much of our gospel has been all the ancillary stuff on the peripheral. Politics. Social positions. Economics. Culture. Age, disability, women, men, <laughs> all the stuff that has divided us. So here's my question, and we're going to pray. Mike's going to come up 
What is it that is separating you from each other, from living into the creeds? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your gospel. We thank you for your work. Today, let us live in to who you are as the family of God to be distinctly consumed with what it means to just be Jesus followers, to be united in faith, one hope, one faith, one baptism, one Lord and Savior. God, would you make that a reality here this morning as we think about it, pray about it, and try and live into it? Amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you're interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at idceastside.com. Thanks for listening.